We're, go- we're just going to jump into this this morning, uh, this message. I'm really excited for this. You know, we got to start last week this mini-series called The Promise. And uh, last week we talked about the promise of Jesus in me. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is in you. Tell your other neighbor too, because they might question their salvation if you don't let them know. Jesus is in you, right? And so this is the promise that we're looking at, and we're talking about the evidences of what it means to have Jesus inside of us, and this, this startling reality that if the evidence does not point to Jesus, then Jesus is not inside of us. It has to point to him. It has to point back to his goodness in our lives, and the promise of Jesus is amazing. But today I want to talk to you about the promise of the Holy Spirit inside of you. This is a gift that God said he wanted to give to every single follower and believer in Christ. He wanted to impart his spirit. And I want to take you back to the very beginning where this promise was first shared in Ezekiel chapter 36. You have a Bible you can turn there. You will have it on our screens. But this is one of the first instances. And here's what's happening. When Ezekiel writes this, this isn't a place where Israel is really sinning against God. And they're doing all of these terrible things. And in the middle of getting punished, God says to them, I've still got a plan. And this is what the plan that he speaks to them in verses 23 to 27. He says, I will show how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Some of you nudged your spouse on that. That wasn't nice. Okay, that's, that's for later. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is the promise of God's spirit. It's something we should get really excited about. So I'm going to expect you to get a little more excited about it, all right? This is better than anything else that anybody's ever given to you. It is the gift of God's spirit inside of you. And there's an awesome thing that he's saying is going to take place here. I'm going to get rid of your stony, stubborn heart. Now, don't raise your hand if you're still living there. Just live in promise, okay? God says, I'm going to to get rid of that. And I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. Now, tender and responsive, that's not like that means I cry when I watch Hallmark, okay? That's not tender and responsive. In fact, guys, I want to be very clear. Unless it is Christmas, you got no business watching Hallmark movies. (laughs) If that's happening in your home, please call our hotline, all right? You should not be made to do that outside of Christmas, all right? It is not that kind of tenderness or responsiveness. He's saying, I want to make you tender and responsive towards me. I want to give you my spirit so that you will find it easy to obey me. Wouldn't that be awesome, finding it easy to just obey God and live the way that he's called us to live? But this is the promise. And so this promise, this idea of the Spirit is spoken of throughout Scripture. I want to give you a little bit of some information here, some words. I just love biblical languages, so that's why I get to share them. Uh, But I'll teach you a little bit of Hebrew and Greek here, because we've got three words in the Bible that we use for Spirit. Number one is ruach. You've got to, like, cough when you say it, all right? Ruach. 
It means wind or breath, the life of something, whether human, animal, or God. And it describes the emotions, desires, strength, moral condition, and or disposition of that creature, person, or God itself. This is the, the, the life force inside of them. Then we have the translation of that into, into Greek, which is pneuma. It's literally just a, a Greek translation of ruach. But then we have this other word that maybe you've heard before. It's parakletos, and it's the word that we get when Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I'm about to go, but it's better for you that I go because once I go, I'm gonna send the paraclete to you, the helper, the advocate, comforter, and it's this idea of God himself being personified through his spirit in communion with his people. Now think about that for a second because Jesus did some amazing things. Imagine being his disciples, having watched and seen what he did, and then Jesus makes two statements. Number one, I'm going to go so you can have my spirit inside of you. And number two, once I'm gone and you have my spirit, you're going to do even greater things than I did. You're going to do even more crazy things than, you th- than I have done in your presence. You're going to see that happen because of the spirit inside of you. But here's the real question. Holy Spirit in me, what does that mean? I got mixed emotions about that. Probably one of the most misunderstood and widely debated things of a lot of different churches is this idea of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are an Assembly of God church. We are uh, a charismatic church, right? A Pentecostal church, if you've heard of these things before. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the church and the ways in which they make us to function. I want to explain more of that in just a few moments to kind of unpack that. But, but, But the problem that we get into is we have a lot of different ideas and understanding for what gifts of the Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all of that means in our lives. It changes a lot of different things. I want to focus on this, but first and foremost, want to get to what the biblical idea of the Spirit is. It was this idea of the emotions, desires, strength, moral composition, condition, or our disposition. And, and these are the very things that God himself, through his spirit, wants to affect in us. Here's how that looks. The emotions that you feel. Anybody in here a little emotional sometimes? Don't raise your hand. We don't want you to cry or anything. The emotions that we have, when the spirit comes inside of us, it's no longer my emotions, it's God's, not mine. I want God's emotions in me to, to reign in my life. Uh, how many of you have desires for different things or, or you're trying to do some things on your own strength, considering your own moral condition, uh, your disposition, the way you act, think, respond to the world around you? All of these things are in the realm of what the spirit of God desires to affect in your life, to take it from yours to his your your ability to respond and, and to react and whatever your heart's desires are the thing the dream that keeps you awake at night whatever it is the strength that you're trying to lean into to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish god says my spirit inside of you is going to transform these areas of your life i'm going to give you my emotions my desires my strength aren't you glad that god gives us his strength Like, imagine trying to live for God on our own strength. Maybe some can testify, I've been there and tried that. It didn't go so hot. Our moral condition. Listen, I want God's morality inside of me, not my morality. You might think that, hey, he's a pastor, he's probably living at that 99%, you know, that 99 percentile of faithfulness and obedience. I still sin and fall short of the glory of God every single day of my life and have to ask God's forgiveness. But his moral condition is inside of me through his spirit. 
my disposition, all of these things that have been changed, that have been transformed. But here's the reality that we have to grapple with, that we have to really face this morning in our understanding of the spirit inside of us, is that the spirit in me creates a war inside of me. The spirit of God inside of you creates a war, and I want to talk about that war for just a few moments. In Galatians chapter 5, we see this, this really succinct uh, set of scriptures here that talk about the sinful nature and the spirit nature, and this is what's contrasted here, this battle. So Galatians 5.17 says this, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's a certain road that is paved with good intentions. Does anybody know where that leads? You've heard of that before? Right. We have all of these good intentions in our minds of who we want to be. You know, if I'm sitting down and drawing out my ideal self, right? And you're drawing out your ideal self. He always says the right things. He always responds the right way. Everything he says is kind and thoughtful. He never thinks, and right, all of those things, those are my great intentions. But there's a problem because inside of me, inside of you is a battle because even though there are things of the spirit that I desire, I'm still, you are still wrestling with a sin nature that wants to try to overtake you and overcome you. And here's what he says, that battle's not going anywhere. I got, I got good news, I guess, and bad news. Ultimately, I'll start with the good news. You will overcome it eventually. The bad news, it's when you die. Sorry, that's a downer. For as long as you draw breath on earth, battle between the spirit nature and the sin nature will continue. There will be every instance, and, and again, this is so important for us to understand in our relationship with God, because Making a decision to follow and be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit nature is not a one-time decision. I'll be honest with you, it's a 70 times a day decision. There will be things that come up every day of your life, whether it's interactions with other people, opportunities, you will always be faced with the choice to do what is right in the eyes of God or what is right in the eyes of the world, what is sinful against God. And your body will experience that war inside of you. Do I do the godly thing or do I do the sinful thing? Do I do the thing that God wants or do I do the thing that, I, that God, that I want for myself? We will see this battle raging inside of us. So he goes on to very clearly describe what these look like because the spirit in me should have some evidence, just like Jesus, right? There should be some evidence that if I'm put on trial, somebody can say, here's the evidence that the spirit of God is inside of this guy or here's the evidence that this guy is living by the sinful nature, all right? So they go on to describe this in Galatians 5, 19 and 20, we look at the sin nature. Let's talk about this first. Here's what it says are the, the ways of the sin nature. Sexual immorality. Again, I have to pause there. I know I say this like a broken record, but it is something we need to hear in our world today. Sexual immorality in Greek is the word pornaya. Pornaya is anything, anything that takes place outside of committed monogamous relationship between husband and wife sexually. Anything outside of that scripturally, God calls sexual immorality, and he describes in this list as evidence of a sin nature at work and not the spirit. 
That's so important for us to understand. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Now, a lot of us are all like, I'm good so far. Hostility. When you got mad at that waitress when they got your order wrong. Quarreling. We'll let that go. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Again, I say, the spirit did not have to drive a car, so we should be forgiven of that, right? Here's some that go a little deeper. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition, the desire to accomplish what matters to me, what I want at any cost. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. We look at this list of things, and this is very clearly what God says. These are the things that are not part of my spirit, that anybody living in these things, if, if you're consumed by jealousy for others, God says you are, you are ruled by the sinful nature. You know, we, we might look at things like idolatry and say, well, I don't have any idols in my house that I bow down to or light candles for or anything like that. I don't have any shrines. That's weird. Listen, biblically speaking, an idol is simply this. Anything. Can you say anything? <laughs> anything you devote more time and attention to above God, you have created as an idol. It could be your phone. Could be your TV, your favorite sports team. You could fill in anything that you want there. But if we have priorities in our lives that put something ahead of relationship with God, it is idolatrous in God's eyes. These outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, all these other things, we, we can look at this and maybe try to write off this idea that maybe these things might be inside of us, but it is a reality check. Because he's trying not to condemn them, but he says, church, you've got to be aware of these things because if you're being ruled by things on this list, then the Spirit of God is not inside of you. That's scary. Then he goes on in the next two verses, verses 22 and 23, and he describes the Spirit nature. The Spirit nature is full of love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You look at these two lists next to each other and you can see the comparison that goes on between the two of them. You can see the war that wages between the two of them. This idea, even beginning at the very, uh, right there off the top of the list, in the sin nature, it's all about sexual immorality and lustful pleasures. And right off the top of the back, God says, love, real love, agape love, the love of God that is unconditional and merciful. That's what love is. Don't settle for this garbage that the world is selling about free love and making love and everything else because it's nothing but the sin nature trying to make it look pretty we have love we have joy we're not looking out for all these selfish pleasures of everything that we want because we've already got the joy of the lord we've got peace no matter our circumstances patience so that we don't have to have the outburst of anger and the quarreling that goes on all of these things right against one another and of of course the one to rule them all self-control self-control and here's where that word or that right there throws us off. We read the word self-control and what we focus on more than anything else is self. Oh man, this is a list of things that I've really got to start working better to master. I've got to start doing a better job at more joy, more peace, more patience. I've got to do better with my gentleness, my faithfulness. I've got to be more loving. And we start to push ourselves down this road of becoming more and more of these things. But here is the promise, church. These are not some kind of disciplines to be mastered. They are a fruit of the Spirit of God inside of you. How does fruit come? 
it grows. You plant a seed. That seed inside of you is the Holy Spirit. When that seed inside of you begins to grow, these are the things that are produced. And this is the challenge that is being given to the church in Galatia. He's saying, listen, look at the list, guys. What's coming out? Look at the list. What's ruling you? What's driving you? What's pushing you down the road? Which one are you doing? And again, I'm not saying in any way that if you're not fully committed to all nine fruit of the Spirit, then you don't have any of God inside of you. Thank the Lord we are a progressive work for what God is doing in us. Amen? We are a progressive work. But we also need to be very clear with ourselves and each other. I do not want to be moved and led by the sin nature. I want to be moved and led by the spirit nature of God. And this is the important part. And, and so we, we want to allow God to have that way, that deposit within you that is growing. But then there's another element here, and I want to kind of finish with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. It talks about this idea that God has given us a gift through his spirit. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, right? That means everybody. There's no exclusions. Here's why. So we can help each other. Wait, what? I thought that spiritual gift was just because like, God wanted to give me a gift and I could sit back and be like, I got a gift. I got a gift. No. No, not at all. God did not impart to you, and this is so important, church, because we have made it a common practice in our world to sit on the gifts of the Spirit as though they belong to us and were up to us whether or not we would exercise them or hide them away. God says, I gave you a spiritual gift, an impartation of my Spirit for this purpose so that you can help each other. To prove to you you can't do it on your own, that you need each other, you need family. You need the family of God. This is the gift I have given you. But it's a part of a whole. The Spirit of God inside of you is a part of a whole. The Spirit of God's work inside of you is a part of a whole. God says, I want a whole relationship with you. I'll give you my Spirit. You're, you're drawn by the sinful nature. I'll give you my Spirit. You're often carried away in other things and maybe getting beat up and tormented by some of these things that you wish you could, could overcome. I'll give you my Spirit. The church, how are we going to bless the world? How are we going to reach the world? I'll give you my spirit. How are we going to reach the lost and tell our community that Jesus loves them? How are we going to help people overseas and in missions? I'll give you my spirit. Church, this is the promise. This is what God gave us. And this gift of his spirit changes everything about us. Just like we talked about in the beginning, it overrules and overwhelms our emotions, our desires, our strengths, and our weaknesses. Our, our position of our condition of morality and, and even our disposition as individuals who follow Christ. God says, I gave you a gift. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit empowers me to serve God well. I don't know about you. I don't have it within me to serve God well. I don't know what your views are on your pastor. I don't know that I want to know. Keep them to yourself. All right. Some of you have made it more clear than others. Do you know when I was a kid, 
I uh, grew up under a great pastor. His name was uh, Mark Caston. He's still the pastor of the church I grew up in. I absolutely revered Pastor Mark. In fact, I cannot call him Mark to his face. He is Pastor Mark Caston. And I just revered him and thought, man, Pastor Mark has got it all together. Pastor Mark, man, he probably wakes up and walks on water to his own bathroom. I don't know why I thought there was water on the floor, but just go with it. You know, I was, I was so grateful when I got a little bit older to have conversation with Pastor Mark in which he would tell me, hey, I've got my own struggles. On my best day, I couldn't do what I do without the Spirit. And, and what an eye-opening idea it was for me, just this realization that I hope to impart to you, that there aren't people out there that are just killing it every single day that are doing it perfectly, that are getting it right, and, and that maybe you're the one that's sitting back there going, I'm just not where they're at. I'm not on their level. I'm not getting where they're going. I'm not doing what they're doing. I don't even feel the way they feel. What's wrong with me? God says, I'll give you my spirit. I'll give you my spirit because my spirit inside of you is going to help you to serve me well. It's going to challenge your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, everything about you. It's going to challenge all of that to make you able to follow me. I wanted to share this with you just in closing out of Romans chapter 8, something I came across just in my reading this morning. But I never find it coincidence when I'm in reading because I I do devotionals, uh, a number of them for guided reading to keep me going in different directions. And this morning I'm reading all about the Spirit as I'm getting ready to preach a message to you about the Spirit. I'm like, well, God, you must have wanted me to read that. So I wanted to share it with you. This is what Romans 8 verses 5 to 11 says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting your spirit, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you aren't controlled by the sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. What a promise. What a promise. Listen, you know, we're all, Jesus rose from the grave. Wow, God is so powerful. He raised his son from the grave and overcame death and sin. And what an amazing victory. God turns around and he says, that same power is in you. That same power that raised Jesus from a mortal and physical real death is inside of you to raise you from death. 
You don't have to be dead in your transgressions and dead in your sin. You don't have to go through life thinking I'm not good enough and I can't get to where others are going or do what they're doing or think what they're thinking. You don't have to do that because God says I've given you my spirit and my spirit inside of you is not a partial spirit. It's not a mostly spirit. It's a full empowering spirit that I've given to you through my son Jesus so that you can help others, so that you can overcome the sinful nature, so that you can become a better follower of Jesus, so that you can learn to live for me. Church, what a gift. What a promise. What a promise. I just encourage you today, stop thinking about becoming a better version of yourself on your own. Stop thinking about overcoming the sin nature that's in your life. And listen, we've all got it. Let's not act like it's not there. Let's not pretend that there's people in this room that, man, they got it. They nailed it. Sin is eradicated from their existence. It's it's not true. We've all got a sinful nature. Let's stop trying to beat it on our own. Let's lean into this promise. God says, I gave you my spirit to defeat that. I gave you my spirit to defeat that so that you wouldn't have to live defeated and broken and cast out. You'd be able to stand up and say, in Christ Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, even overcome the bonehead that I am. Because that's just how good God's Spirit is. Church, that's the promise of what God has given to you through His Spirit. I just encourage you to lean into that wholeheartedly regardless of how you may feel about spiritual gifts and all those things. And we'll have time to to unpack that at some other point. But the promise of God's Spirit inside of you raises you up, not to make you any better than anybody else in this room, but to make you far better than the man or woman that you were yesterday. Far better. And that should always be our pursuit. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you, God, that you have given us the gift of overcoming victory by the spirit of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave that is inside of us. God, forgive us if that is not hitting us on some deep level right now. Let it just begin to wash over us in this place, God, in our minds, for those watching online, let it wash over us that the same power that raised Jesus up from the grave is living inside of me and giving me the ability to wage this war against the sin nature inside of me. God, thank you that your answer to every battle I'd ever face is you gave me your spirit. God, thank you that for those in here who are waging a war in their own lives, a battle in their own morality, their own emotions, their own strengths and weaknesses, their disposition, their moral condition, God, thank you that whatever it is that they're facing, you said, here's my spirit. And God, I just pray for an impartation of your spirit on your people this morning, that we would no longer be those who look to overcome through our own victories and our own strengths, but those who in absolute desperation fall to our knees and say, God, I can't do it. Fill me with your spirit so that I can overcome. Lord, we need you. We need you. As we're in prayer this morning, I just want to ask you as we are in this moment of really considering the Spirit of God inside of us. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I don't ever feel like I've got the Spirit inside of me. I always feel like it's just me battling against everything in the world. But I want to invite God's Spirit to work within me. 
I don't want to fight it alone anymore. I want the Spirit of God to be on my side. If that's you, can I ask you to raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Many hands around the room. Thank you. I want to invite God's Spirit to have His way in me. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we get ready to close together in prayer? Listen, I'd love to tell you that I can lead you in one prayer and that the Spirit of God will come on you and everything else for the rest of your life is just going to be easy. That every decision will always be the godly decision. Every thought thought will always be the godly thought. But the sin nature is still waging war against the things of the Spirit. And the way that we defeat the sin nature is pressing in regularly to the presence of God. And just as we sang a little while ago, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's easy to sing because in church we're like, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit should be welcome in church. He should be welcome into a song that we're singing. No, it's a personal prayer. Hold your hand over your own heart and over your own mind. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Let us experience more of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness inside of us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And church, if you do that every day, that's when the Spirit of God begins to move and change everything about you and gives you overcoming victory. But I want to lead you in a prayer, and I ask if you'd pray this with me for those who raised their hand, and even if you didn't. But I want to invite the Spirit of God in our hearts to move and to have His way within us. So pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank You for coming to save my life and give me overcoming victory in Jesus' name. I invite Your Spirit to move in my life, to overwhelm my emotions, my desires, my strengths, my moral condition, and my disposition. I give all of it to you. Lead me in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who learn to lean heavily on your spirit. That we would be a people who, just as John the Baptist did, said, I must de- decrease so that he can increase. I've got to stop fighting the battle on my own so that I can leave room to fi- for God to fight the battle with me and for me. Holy Spirit, we say that you are welcome here. You're welcome in our hearts, our minds. You're welcome in our daily lives, our decisions, our relationships, our futures, our past and present. We invite you to have your way. Show us your glory. Cause us to be a people who are raised out of the sin nature. And a people who look around, Lord, and see the fruit of the Spirit daily manifest in our lives. We give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our prayer team will be up here. We'd love to meet with you if you need prayer this morning. But I encourage you, go live in the Spirit and not by your own strength. If you're visiting, I'd love to meet you out in the foyer, but Lord, Lord bless you as you go. Have a wonderful day.